Welcome everybody to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. It's Aurelien, I'm here with Glenn and Darcy. And today we will be discussing ways to leave your nine to five and go full-time real estate. And um, it's a topic that's on many people's mind. And I know for myself, um, uh, I... I wanted to leave my job and uh, and real estate was the way to do it. So uh, I, I'll share from experience and um, we'll, we'll have a conversation about this today. Um, Darcy, would you like to get us going on the topic? Yeah, my uh, my experience of this is a little bit of a, a cheat, I suppose, because my job was in real estate. Uh, I uh, quit teaching in Scarborough in Toronto District School Board to manage uh, a small portfolio of family health buildings. So I, I did have a real estate job, but you know, one of the uh, things where I have to find out the attribution of this, but um, there's a saying that most of the inventions of the world and uh, creative work comes from people that are underemployed, who have time to think, time to have uh, other thoughts in their work. And if you're in a really high stress, high um, volume kind of job, it's hard to do things off the side of your desk and take on side projects. But I was underemployed. I had about uh, five properties. And after about a year and a half of reorganizing the company and fixing things that were deferred, I was looking for more work. And real estate seemed to be the natural choice uh, because I was already, quote, in the industry. But um, I built the other businesses off the side of my desk part-time. And they were built um, without taking a wage. Uh, the, you know, I was just really comfortable with uh, pouring Darcy, everything you, back into When you into say other businesses, what are you referring to? Um, other investment real estate projects. So we okay. built uh, Roar Ryan with a partnership of three other guys, uh, Fred, Bill, and Don. Um, all of us had other jobs. Don was working as a healthcare consultant. Fred and Bill were mortgage brokers and realtors. So all of us had, quote, full-time jobs. So this is a part-time endeavor um, that became increasingly uh, full-time. You, you can't buy and build and renovate 300, what, 370 units part-time. It just became, you know, having two full-time jobs. Um, I never was able to really fully be an employee of the new thing that we built or the next one after that, Westred. So part of this is how do I get paid from these models? I still retain my property management job for the family business. And that's my primary job. That's what pays the bills. The rest is sort of equity. So I'm in a mixed sort of place. I am full-time in real estate, but... Um, I've yet to get paid for two of the companies for, for the work I do there. I do get compensation via equity through what we build when we refinance or sell or from, you know, excess cash from operations. But as for taking a wage, like a job job, I still haven't done it. So I'm kind of trying to figure out how to do that. Um, so yeah, my, my path there is a little bit uncertain and it might be like many of our listeners, you know, how do you get there? Um, Glenn, you just did. Um, so how did you, how did you pull it off? You oh. <laughs> I think the way I sort of pulled it off was uh, a couple different streams of income is, is the way that I've found to even it out. Um, I don't know if we're doing more book drops, but uh, I read in a book, you know, you want like now income, soon income and later income. Right. Um, and when I was doing my, my system I had going for the last like three years has been doing a lot of burrs. Um, actually maybe two last two years because before that I was kind of doing uh, buy and holds right um, but anyway um, I was doing a lot of burrs 
And the problem was it was a lot of, you know, some cash flow. Like you get your cash flow every month, but you need a lot of properties if you refinanced and ripped all the money out of it, right? So you needed some, and I was getting a lot of future money. My net income was growing a lot, but it's hard to quit your job on that, especially on cash flow. You, like you need a lot of properties and the, um, the swings and maintenance and people not paying. It's hard to, it was hard to live off of it, right? Um, so one thing I did was I switched to doing lease options. Um, so I, did, I would get the deposits right up front. I get a higher cash flow throughout, but I'd lose the properties after three years, but it was a predictable number. Um, the, uh, the people, it was, it, it was much more predictable because now the tenants had skin in the game. So they were more likely to pay on time. Um, they didn't want to lose their deposit because the way my lease options are structured, they lose their deposit if they pay after the 15th um, that they put down on the property. So it, it aligned everything to bring it better. Um, so I already had some cash flow. Um, I had now I've had more cash flow and some deposits from the lease options. I started doing flips uh, to try and get those chunks of money to go through. Um, and I also, you know, if I was looking at my list of different things, I have an Airbnb as well. So it's a little bit of different ways of giving your money. Um, and one of those things, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but like I, I have been working the whole time. I only left my job recently and I was able to do 20 to 30 purchases per year, part-time, right? Um, like doing real estate part-time. And uh, a lot of people who take my coaching programs say, as soon as I quit my job, then I'm going to do 20 or 30 purchases. And honestly, yeah. the, the backwards thinking it's better to be able to do this part-time because then when you quit, you still only work your like, you know, four or 10 hours a week. You're not going to be uh, going to doing the other way, right? You don't want to switch a job for a job, right? So uh, I think that was it. And the big thing, the big thing to, to get it um, is a lump of cash. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. you, you, if you're going to quit your job, one of at least to convince your wife or spouse or whoever, you need some money. If things don't go perfect, I plan to have, um, you know, after, uh, you know, after tax cash lump of a whole year's worth of income that I would make just sitting there. So if I didn't pull this off, things didn't go right. At least we had, if I didn't make one penny in the whole year, um, I'd have a whole year of backup cash. And that's painful as a real estate investor. <laughs> because yeah, I want to, I want to make money on it, right? And it's just sitting in a savings account, earning two percent, <laughs> which yep. is not exciting. <laughs> uh, what about you, Ari? Well, um, yeah, my trajectory was uh, uh, I uh, I searched the market, so I educated myself, read some books, searched the market, and um, while I was working, I. Um, I purchased uh, a first property, then a second one, and uh, I qualified thanks to um, thanks to the job I used to have, and then um, and then uh, I told the um, the the real estate agent, listen, you know, if we want to keep going, I need uh, I need I need uh, another way to finance because the bank won't won't allow for more, and um, she was very resourceful, found a new of a private lender. And uh, so that's one way of doing it. You can go to a private lender and uh, take down a few more properties, put some systems in place. And then once you have established a little portfolio, you can go to the commercial 
uh, lender of a bank and uh, tell them about what you're doing and show that you you do it on a on a on a professional level and then uh, they'll be interested in in refinancing what you your 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 portfolio and that's what I did and um, yeah and then keep keep growing slowly and uh, and then when I when my when my real estate income matched my existing income which was it wasn't much I don't need much uh, I I decided to leave and yeah so that's that's one way I see to do it and um, I think the other way so that. The other way could be through syndication. Uh, I've seen people do it where, and you could educate yourself, join mastermind groups. And I, I really believe more and more in those groups because um, really by, by seeing others do it and be discussing you know, on a weekly basis, uh, whatever asset class you wanna, you wanna invest in. And then you can in invest alongside with someone else to build a track record. Talk to people around you that are interested in real estate, and because um, then the day the day you have your own, you start your own uh, investment uh, company, your own syndications. Those people will have a, will 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 be more interested, more inclined than others to to possibly invest with you, and then uh, you put your resources together and take down uh, larger deals as you as you keep growing. So. I see the, the two ways, so the slow and steady, you know, building a small portfolio or uh, going uh, the more professional way, the syndication route. And you brought up a good point there with the lending is that you basically, at least the way I look at it is you need to figure out how to do lending before you leave your job. You need to figure out the other way of doing this because otherwise you might be walking into a brick wall. Um, so figure that out ahead of time. Uh, how. Yeah. how to find lending for commercial lending or whatever the ways you're going to do this where it's asset-based lending rather than you lending that's a good point glenn because you know with our model we built a lot of equity and asset so you had a lot of properties but a relatively small um, monthly or annual wage so the um, balance that we had to strike within our family was you had a significant amount of uh, growing equity in as many as parts of 17 or 18 buildings um, which showed great for lending. Lenders look at this and go, well, there's a lot of assets here that we can you know, um, put guarantees or, or um, obligations on. But the debt service comes entirely off the property because if I had to pay for it from my wage, that would be impossible. And in fact, um, you know, I had a, a modest amount that I was making as a, a property manager uh, for a couple of the buildings uh, serving in that role. But there's no way I would have qualified for my present home. And, when you're in this kind of business, awful lot of what we're doing is moving from our equity pile and using spending it on, um, so taking it from capital and moving it into monthly or annual spending, which crushes my heart because you work so hard to stack that stuff up, you know, to get investment capital, after-tax investment capital, and then to burn it for groceries is painful. Um, it's a weakness of, of my current model. Um, I hate it, but it's, you know, the difference between your future spending and you know savings and what you're planning for the future and surviving in the right now and it's become necessary you do a refinance you bring home um, a chunk of money out of a property some of it you're going to just have to um, spend on groceries or pay some bills so a lot of what we do is paid cash uh, or not cash but we buy it we don't finance it because it wouldn't qualify for financing in some cases or just the obligation of debt monthly payments is not acceptable not the way we have to live so 
I don't know, our cycles look a little bit different than maybe our regular wage earner who has a monthly budget and spends things that way. We have like quarterly or annual budgets and big ticket things like property tax and insurance and vacations are you know, understood over the year and how you're going to pay for that, not from savings from a particular month, because that's a relatively, in my case, a relatively low number. I think it would surprise people. I'd be embarrassed to say how little that is actually on a recording, but it works for us. It works for us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or is that too vague? Yeah. And then I, I was thinking, Glenn, you know, you maybe you could talk about the different uh, streams of incomes that you have, because that's that's pretty interesting, too uh yeah i kind of touched on it but like you know the i have a whole bunch of rental properties so you get the cash flow from the rental properties um then if it's a lease option i get the deposits for the um contracts so depending on the price of the property i get a chunk of cash for that the trick to that is that typically if as i use pro professional management they're going to try and hold that they're going to treat it like a security deposit which it really isn't a security deposit um so you can sign a piece of paperwork and take um, take the liability on um, because they're supposed to hold it, but they don't have to because it's not technically a security deposit in the contract. You can actually take that as cash if you want to. Um, so sometimes I have, and sometimes I've just left it in their escrow account. Um, and then, you know, cash flow from the lease options. Um, selling properties uh, is where I get chunks of money too. And I have some older properties and sometimes I, well, I guess annually, I kind of do a breakdown of which ones are performing the best. And I learned this from a podcast way back and to you, you, then you can rate your properties, about which ones are doing the best and which ones are the worst. And the trick is to find a way to get the bottom ones to move up to the top. And if you can't do that, maybe you should sell them because you get that cash to work better somewhere else. Um, and usually when I do that, it's a, a, a return on equity. Uh, in calculation, not a return on investment, um, because um, I want to look at the what it is now and how much equity is sitting in it. And if you've bought properties pretty much anywhere, there's lots of equity sitting in it. Um, and yeah, and then I also do the coaching course. So I do a coaching course, which actually uh, does generate income and it does flatten out the, um, the bumps that come along with the with investing in real estate. Um, we just are doing a tenant turnover again, that's very expensive. Um, and it's one of those things, if you're relying on this income to live, uh, it's tough, right? It, it, it's tough sometimes to, <laughs> when you have those big tenant turnovers, because uh, ideally we like to keep a reserve fund of usually three or $5,000 in the account. And then we also have the security deposit from the tenant to use for turnovers. But sometimes, it's more than that. Um, if the tenant's been there for a while, there's a lot of damage. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's one of those things that, you know, uh, sometimes it just eats up what would be your cash flow that you need to live off of. And it's a bit of a mindset change going to living off of all this. You're used to the security of a job. It gives you the same amount or plus, you know, overtime or bonuses or whatever. But it, it is a different mindset, and that's why I keep an oh crap fund, which hopefully I never have to touch. But I, um, it helps everyone in my household sleep at night. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You have to make your partners comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So, how can people learn more about your coaching course? 
Oh, I actually have a website for it. It's uh, glensutherland.com slash coaching if anyone's interested in that. Um, and it has like all the breakdown and I'm slowly building it out and planning on putting some videos even on the, the, the webpage for it. But right now it has the course curriculum and how it all runs. Thanks. Thanks for throwing that out, Arcy. Or, or, not Ari, sorry. Not Arcee. Whoever, whoever yelled ass that, Ari. Awesome. And also, yeah, um, we're available for questions. And uh, and I think uh, Darcy would be happy also, you know, if you have questions about syndication, I think uh, Darcy is creating a website and uh, you know, can yeah. provide some advice. Um, so how can people get in touch with you, Darcy? Well, the long-running website should be up this month, and it's just www.darcywhite.ca, and they can uh, check out there. It's just um, more, a lot of this stuff links to these thought podcasts, but ideas that I'm, you know, mulling about, about leadership and uh, personal growth and uh, life in real estate. So you can get some more ideas of what we're talking about. I extend my thoughts a little bit there. Awesome. Yeah. And take questions too. That'd be awesome. And, you, and yourself, Ari? uh through the email address that we use at the end of this uh, show if i if i remember, <laughs> <You> remember. <laughs> <laughs> the worst marketing ever <laughs> i think it works i think everyone's listening now and going advanced real estate investing <laughs> everybody knows about <laughs> everyone else right. is like saying it under their breath <laughs> that's right i would say though uh, you know if you're building a business keep your expenses low i mean one of the you know, one of the things that worked for us is um I, I didn't have, I didn't come from a job with a huge wage. I was a primary school teacher. So we didn't have expectations of a lot of money to start with. So keeping those expectations and living costs low for the first 15 years made a big difference. Um, you know, I didn't have uh, a voracious appetite for money. Um, and if we poured it back into the business to build more and to build more equity. So that was a, a critical component to our success that, yeah. you know, once you could show a ton of equity, it wasn't hard to, you know, to commit to that. Um, if I had to quit a job where I was making a couple hundred thousand a year, it would be very hard because that's a lot big number to replace. So, you know, I pity doctors and lawyers that want to, you know, get out of such a terrible career and get into real estate. It's going to be hard for them. Yeah, that, you know, I don't know how that didn't come up in our list before that, but it is, it is something that uh, I've been modest. And it made the transition a lot easier. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, I, I have people that I've coached that are looking to replace massive incomes and it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to, yeah. for them to do. You have to acknowledge it's hard. That's a hard thing. We get, I get quizzed by, um, you know, people, what hotel you, what, where are you staying? You know, they're trying to get some idea of level of, uh, spending or <laughs> extravagance. And I got to tell you, I'm in the cheapest roughest i would never rent a suite for this bad as the hotel i'm staying in right now and you know i drove a nine-year-old montana uh van for a long long time um you know uh keep your keep your expenses low put your money where it really matters not on uh, not on flash and that other stuff uh you know we were buying a building off we looked at a building off a guy and he drove up in a, a lamborghini that was customized First, you had to buy a Lamborghini SFU or SUV and then customize it on top of that. But that's a, that's a bad show, man. I just thought, what? That's just crazy. But low key, man. Keep your expenses low. Put your money where it really matters. Okay. Millionaire, it's was working. it the millionaire next door? Yeah. Yeah. What they have in common. That's the first edition is really good. Second one is probably not as good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, well, thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you, uh, Glenn and Darcy, for your insights. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed preparing it for you. And uh, if you want to submit your questions and we'd like to have them answered on the show, feel free to email us at advancedreitalk at gmail.com. It's advancedreitalk at gmail.com. And we will be a pleasure to cover them. And uh, yeah, see you next time. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>